Welcome to Ali and Pacero, streamed live on Facebook for the very first time. Today I'm joined with myself, Jim Pacero, and James Small, running for House District 36. See, everybody says, like, House District 36. Like, everybody knows where House District 36 <laughs> is. Nobody knows where if, House District 36 is. If my name is on your ballot, just go ahead and check the oh, box next go. to it. There you go. No, it's, w- seriously, everybody always says that. You ask somebody, what are you running for? I'm running for House District 51. It's like, nobody knows. So where is House District 36? Uh, Well, it's Southwest Portland. So south, essentially... South of Burnside Street down to Multnomah Boulevard and then from the Willamette or, uh, yeah, Willamette River out to basically the edge of Multnomah County Do you get on the, all the way down on the west here? side. Uh, not all the way down here. Multnomah Boulevard is the furthest south we go. Boulevard. Yeah. So Dunthorpe? No. I don't know. Okay. Not familiar. <laughs> yeah. See, that's the problem. Nobody actually knows where House District 36 is. Right. So I also say nobody probably cares. How's the. <laughs> How's the campaign going? <laughs> it's going. It's yeah. going. We're running some Facebook ads right now, and uh, that's kind of uh, the last push before the election. So, James, what's left. the registration gap there? <laughs> uh, does it? I don't know if it goes that high. The, the scale. <laughs> um, it's about fifty-five percent Democrat and ten percent Republican. So ten. Ten. So you're. So me, me, and Jim, and that's so, about it. Oh, Jim's in that district. Yeah, yeah Jim's in that district. So, so yeah. you're. Um, I'm a, let me ask you a, a technical political consultant question. Sure. Which I need a millennial or, or Alan to help me with. So there's a measure on about 110 in Oregon to legalize drugs everywhere okay. in Oregon. And to not – and right now, it, an effective treatment in, in places like Washington County is that if you're, if you're caught, um, you know, driving under the influence or, or, or com- committing a crime on drugs or whatever it is, they can force you into treatment uh, as a way to um, – you know, or or throw you in jail. Right. And that and that makes people go into treatment because they – you know, studies show that only about 15% of um, alcoholics ever quit drinking, that it's really, really difficult to – to once you – once you – if you, you know, are addicted, you know, you have the disease to get off of it. And so prison is one of the most effective ways – of getting people into treatment. And so this measure 110 would take that away. And I, I don't know that people do they ha- do they have drug treatment in prison because I think people just I mean they go no, cold no, turkey no, but no, the, 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 right but then no, what the choice is in like in Washington oh, County, sure. County like look you, you've committed you know you slapped you you know you hit your girlfriend and you were um you know and you've got ad- addiction issues. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And therefore, would you like treatment or would you like to go through the legal process? Yeah. And I, on that one in particular, I haven't. That's not the question I was going to ask you. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> but go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking a long lead up under this because that's really. All right. Well, ask, ask, ask the question. So go what's ahead. What's the question? Well, so this ballot measure 110 is, is coming up. And, um. So what is, explain 110. 110 is again to legalize all of to do basically for meth and heroin and opiates and everything what they did what they've done for for marijuana which is will only be a traffic citation and there'll be no trigger to get anybody into treatment okay so it's not just mushrooms no it's it's all drugs it, and Oregon will be the first state in the nation it will be an experimental state to have done this and so 2 million dollars funding this is George Soros 
And now we learned this week that half a million is coming in from, from, from Facebook, from Zuckerberg. Yep. And so they're going to come in with the, with the B-52s. They're going to, they're going to put two and a half million, three million dollars on, uh, in all sorts of media, all sorts of paid media across the board. Um, the, the person, uh, leading the no measure is a, is a lawyer named James O'Rourke, who's an expert in, um, uh, addiction defense and has, and has gotten hundreds of clients to go into treatment rather than face criminal charges. And he will lose this tool if, um, if this happens, if the measure passes. But how much, how do you counter two and a half million to three million if you don't have any money? What, what, Social media buy, how big would it have to be to even get a presence up against uh, this n- incredible amount of national money coming in to legalize all drugs in Oregon? Well, so I'm not, or to decriminalize all drugs. In I'm Oregon. not as familiar with that particular bill, the wording of it. Um, right, I, but I'm, t- but I'm, yeah. How do, how do you counter all the money? Well, how, how, how with more money? <laughs> with more money right but how effective i mean do you, what, you know could you do an effective social media buy of fifty thousand dollars against two and a half million wow what? yeah i just looked it up just so, to clarify so possession of a controlled substance uh schedule one to four such as heroin cocaine methamphetamines would be reclassified from class a misdemeanor to class e violation resulting in a hundred dollar fine that's it so basically Decriminalizing, right, and the trigger, right, and the trigger for to 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 get people into treatment is gone. Okay, so I I would say that that trigger is not working. I don't know. I live in downtown Portland. I can tell you that those people are not going to treatment. I didn't say Multnomah County has has that policy. (laughs) No, okay, okay. Washington County. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yes, District Attorney uh, Kevin Barton had his and his assistant Bracken McKee have that use use that policy in Washington County. Yeah, I, I don't know that I have an opinion on it. I, I haven't read the, the details of the of the bill. No, that, yeah. And that wasn't especially yeah, right. my, my question was <laughs> how do you, you as how do somebody you, who's buying social media, if I, I'm and the how reason do you I, counter it with fifty thousand dollars? Is that well, is that, I'm, that question? yeah, because or? I run a political action committee, yeah. Action Pack, with my partner Bridget Barton, and we we you know we're being pressed to help fight this. We've done some, but we're looking at it and going, we we can't. I mean, what, what, you know, what are you going to do against three million dollars from Zoros and Zuckerberg? Well, I think you can, but you just need to have the right the right message. And again, not being familiar enough with that particular bill, I don't know that I would have the right message. I but, think the right message can be, there was a study, I, I forget, maybe it was just a podcast I was listening to, uh, Malcolm Gladwell, but he was talking about money follows winners. Winners don't follow money. Like money doesn't cause winners. And then he's talking more about like legislative races, not uh, ballot measures. But at the same time, I, I think it probably works similarly i think what he's saying is absolutely true is that and it it happens when you're running for office you've done this too is Mm -hmm. that you have to show momentum right before you you get money oh i get that so that's that's fundamentally Uh, the issue but i have more it's a more technical question because um someone of my generation and and who's not i'm I'm in the same generation but you're a tech person i'm not so so but but and we are probably going to take a break. Yeah, but, why don't but we? I want to. I want to. Why don't we pick it up after the break? Okay. This has been a really slow week. 
<laughs> and we don't have anything to talk, to talk about, about, but we'll pick it up after the break. This is Ali and Pacero. Today's podcast is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors. ProLift is your one-stop shop for residential and small commercial garage doors from openers, springs, and rollers to full reinstalls. They offer same-day service on all garage door repairs with no extra charge for evenings or weekends. Serving the greater Portland metro area, call today and set up your free estimate at 503-558-6349 or at proliftdoors.com slash Portland. Again, that's 503-558-6349 or proliftdoors.com slash Portland. Welcome back to Allie and Passero. This is Alan Alley with Jim Passero and our friend James Ball. We're talking about all things Portland, what's going on in the world, COVID, President Trump getting sick. But first, we're talking about legalization, not legalization, decriminalization of drugs here in Oregon, going from marijuana, which we have now decriminalized, all the way to heroin basically cocaine and everything in between and what impact that would have the the funding for the different ballot measures that are out there it's ballot measure 110 and jim i think you said there's three million dollars coming in on the yes side yes so george and it's george soros and, and zuckerberg and so from my standpoint i always look at this from from an economic standpoint so I'm trying to make Oregon an attractive place for people to have businesses here and hire well, people. Well, you're opening up more businesses. I mean, you can open a heroin shop now I once this passes. Not exactly the business I was thinking <laughs> of, right? So between the fires and Antifa and uh, the, um, the show that was on TV, Portlandia, mm-hmm. right? If I'm a business person from the outside looking in, and I'm looking at even opening – when I worked in the governor's office, we looked at um, somebody wanted to open a diaper manufacturing facility here. And you might sort of laugh at that, but it's a zillion jobs. It is a huge factory, and it would be – and there's only like six of them in the entire United States. So it's a big deal. And they ultimately decided not to put it here. I think it went to Idaho because of the the environment that we've created. You think it's a tax environment or everything? Everything. Workforce, tax, everything. See, I would say what they're trying to do is make Oregon or the United States more like was it Netherlands or Portugal or one of those countries that that made that they basically did this, decriminalized all drugs. And what they're trying to do in the Netherlands was the Netherlands. Um, But the what they've succeeded in doing is making it more of a, a health issue rather than a criminal issue. And so they are, again, you need more infrastructure than just decriminalizing. So it's, it's, uh, well, there is, there is that part in the, of the measure is, is they are going to expand the, uh, uh, people who, uh, the facilitators who see somebody who's addicted and, decide whether they need treatment but they're take so that is in the measure to put some money into that is there money there's well they're, they're going to tax the marijuana industry to do it <laughs> oh. yes that's in the bill too but the, the problem is that the trigger the opiate addiction is so serious it's in so it's so much more it's it's more intense than alcoholism and and judging by these 10 cities and to, to take the trigger away of jail versus treatment is um what James O'Rourke and the No People were very much against. But the question that I wanted to ask you on the social media, 
So Alan and I went up and played a fancy golf course, Chambers Bay, in early August. And I gave him my, you know, cell phone, oh, yeah. cell phone number. And all of a sudden, for the next three weeks, I could not turn on my phone without a Chambers Bay. Uh, anytime I Googled anything, Chambers Bay came into my phone. And, and so I understand how buying social media works that way for a specific customer having a specific interest. And I, and I know, like my friend who owns the Dan Yates, who owns the Portland Spirit, I know how effective it has been on his dinner boats to be able to use social media. He wants to, yeah, yeah, he wants to spend, you know, lots of money with the Oregonian, you know, 20 years ago. so, but if you're doing a campaign, that's different because it's not, you want to, you know, you're trying to counter $3 million. How do you, through social media, you know, do a broad thing? I mean, that's got to be ex- really a lot more expensive and probably not that effective. And they're well, using $3 million through mostly, you believe, mm-hmm. mostly conventional media. Multiple, I would imagine multiple But sources. the interesting thing is if they're using social media, you're probably not getting messaged. Right. Because well, they know you're not a vote and they mm-hmm. can swing. And that's the trick is to, is to target your swing voters. So I, I watched a Netflix documentary the other, the other night called the, the Great Hack, I think. And it was about the, the, I mean, it's left leaning talking about Brexit and, um, the Trump election and how basically we all, the conservatives stole the election by being crazy on social media. But, it made an interesting point, I thought, that it was basically 70,000 people that swung the election. Right. Because they targeted the swing states and they targeted, oh, yeah. they like, there's there's certain people that are going to vote, and uh, there's certain voter people that are going to vote blue, certain number of people are going to vote red, and then there's a, a sliver of people who are undecided. And so they were able to target those people and just hammer them with ads on Facebook. And so I think that is, it makes me nervous that Zuckerberg is putting money into something right. because he's got... He knows where all the bodies are buried. He knows everything about everything. So, I mean, the the problem, the, I mean, according to the documentary, the problem was that Facebook was essentially opening their their data up and places like Cambridge Analytica were coming in and scraping profile data and creating this database of Facebook users that they could then try to target people. Facebook already has all that information. So if Zuckerberg is being even a little bit shady, all he's got to do is take his half million dollars and point it at Facebook and talk to some of his data engineers and be like, "These are the these are the people we want to talk to." So, how do you, at House District Thirty Four, when you sat down with whatever budget you had, mm-hmm. how did you decide? Where did you get the list to buy the social media to reach the voters that you think are swing voters in House District Thirty Four? We are not nearly that sophisticated. <laughs> Okay. In my in my campaign, um, I went on I went on Facebook and I drew a circle around the district and I said target people in this in this circle. Okay, so mm-hmm. you just did it geographically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 amount of energy it's it's less of a money thing and more of an energy thing because you've got to I mean you've got to well I mean it's money too so you got to you got to pull and you've got to figure out which which demographics you're looking at and how do you define this this group of swing voters. And so, I mean, you can do non-affiliateds. You can look for maybe somebody who signed the Recall Kate Brown petition, and and then you got to figure out who are these people. Are these are they what age, what income level, what interests, whatever? And then you can target those specific things. But it takes a lot of um, a lot of mental energy and, and time and money to figure out who that who they are, well, so you the, can target them. If you've if you're not receiving 
those kinds of promotions on Facebook and Twitter and your social media feeds, you're not targeted. Well, except that, except and, that traditionally, everything that the Democrats do, and even the ballot measures, everything is done the last three weeks. We we do things for two months, but they but they they don't they never spend money until the last three weeks. Yeah, I I don't know. I I think you're you're right. M- most of that is saving your your dry powder until the you end. See of the, the whites of their eyes, right? Right. But in in this case, uh, the thing that the big question for me is why on earth would Zuckerberg put himself in this position? Why why does he care what happens in Oregon? And why would he stick his neck out there and expose Facebook to this? So be- well, because- we've got to g- take a break. We'll be right back, and we're, we will get to President Trump, the sickness, the debate, and the other national news. This is Ali and Pacero with our friend James Ball. The Portland spirit is headed to the river. Hop on board today for great views of the Portland skyline and historic Milwaukee waterfront. See our local landmarks and bridges from a unique vantage point on the river. Grab a cocktail on our outer deck while enjoying some of our delicious local cuisine. Fun for the whole family with options including lunch, brunch, dinner, and the famous Heart of Portland cruise. Tickets can be purchased at portlandspirit.com. Welcome back to Allie and Pacero with our friend James Ball running for House District 50... 36. 36. (laughs) That's why you don't use those numbers. If if my name is on your ballot, just just, just check the box next to it. If the name is on the ballot, check the box. Yeah, we could come up with a jingle. There now, if go. I said yeah. if I said seventeenth hole abandoned dunes, you'd know that number. I wouldn't. Uh, barely. Barely the the par four that hangs on the cliffs. Yeah, no, I do. Not. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Um, I wanted to get to a debate that mm. we had this week, oh if gosh. you want to call it that, right? I uh, I posted. I watched the whole thing. I have a whole bunch of notes that I took from it. But let's hear your review. Well. So I've always said that debates are like a boxing match and that boxers have styles, right? Mm-hmm. There's the there's the guy that waits for the opening and the big left hook. Right. There's the one that just jabs all the time. There's right. the one that dances and counter punches and that sort of thing. And debates have the same thing. And so I was I was waiting to sort of see the style of the debaters, you know, was was Biden going to be irritating and just jab, 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 jab with all these little packaged one-liners that he had? And was Trump just going to look for the big knockout punch? And it started out that um, I think Biden spoke first, then Trump spoke for two minutes, then they started the discussion. It might have been the other way around. Then they started the discussion, and as soon as they started the discussion, Trump spoke, and Biden interrupted him. And Biden was actually the first one to interrupt. And it, if you're debating Donald Trump <laughs> and you interrupt him and, and you kind of set the ground rules of, oh, okay, so this is the way, this is the way we're going to do this. Okay, Joe, we're going to talk over each other. We're going to interrupt. And then the food fight broke out. The, you know, the mashed potatoes were thrown. They scraped everything off their trays. They they did everything but but come to the center and and grapple with each other. Um, I thought as a debate process, it was horrible. Mm-hmm. It, it devolved into just this cacophony mess that you could make very little out of. Now, 
I'd like to hear what you guys thought, and then we can kind of go through the different points that were made on on either side. But I, I was I was very disappointed. So I don't remember who interrupted who first. Uh, I just do I had to remember. go back and you had to go back it. and look yeah. at. It. I do remember You're always doing that in the Trump presidency. The, yeah. the transcripts I'm, are everything. To you. I'm the apologist. Whatever we see, okay, we that was we saw we thought we saw a car accident, but but no, no let's go real look no, at the transcripts. You, right, it, whatever. One of the, the cars media. actually got through a 15 crash. But. Just go ask Alan; he'll yeah. do the research right. and come up with it. So yeah. go ahead. I, I, just, I just felt like I interrupted you. Yeah, again, from someone who did not go back and rewatch it and try to figure out who interrupted who first uh trump interrupted biden a lot more than biden interrupted trump trump interrupted the moderator the moderator had to fight with trump to get him to let biden speak i i felt like trump was doing a lot more interrupting but at the same time and i, I said this to i think on my podcast but i forget where um that's what you're supposed to do as as a debater you're supposed to push on the moderator you're supposed to talk over your time like that shows you're assertive that shows you're you're winning, I guess. Um, winning might not be the right term, but we're it shows you assertive. We're winning so much, we're going to get tired of winning. <laughs> well, that's and we're, that's kind of what we're I winning thought. so I, much. There's a there's a Wall Street Journal poll out today that shows Trump 14 points behind. That's how much when, we're winning. When you when you back down to the moderator, I feel like it kind of makes you look weak, in a sense. And so I feel like Trump pushed back on the moderator a lot more, and Biden allowed the moderator to speak, which. I don't know. Jimmy, what do you think? Uh, about the debate. Overall impressions and kind I, of. I thought the president looked like a madman and, and, and Joe Biden looked like he came up to the debate with a walker. So he's <laughs> like, oh, well, the other this, thing is, is, Trump this is the future prepare. of the country. Trump didn't prepare at all. I well, mean, he I had want, no notes. He had no idea what he was going to say. It was. Uh, well, I wonder if, I wonder if he had, was suffering from the virus. During the debate, yeah. and that and that that affected his belligerence because when you're not feeling well, I mean that's the 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 sort of the dial of the of you know of your filter, that, right? And 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 because he was if in terms of the transcripts, Trump won the debate on 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 the issues, but completely lost the debate on the style, and and Biden didn't even seem to be completely incoherent because Trump didn't let him talk long enough. If he let him talk longer, Biden would have gotten in more and more trouble. Well, if, from what I know about the virus, from what I did with mm -hmm. antibody testing and that kind of thing, it's pretty likely that he had that night. the virus already because yeah. that was Tuesday. Right. He was diagnosed on Thursday, right? right? Thursday it, night. It stays well, actually, for a couple of days. Actually, before. It, yeah, and it wasn't Thursday night. I mean, it's it's re other reports are saying it was it was. Uh, when he did that Duluth event on Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday there's a report, CNN, right. that three of the congressmen who were supposed to fly Air Force One with him from Minnesota back to Washington flew commercially because of of the of the virus on the plane. Oh well, when was ACB's uh, event? Was that Monday? Uh, um, Amy Coney Barrett. That was Saturday. At the so, White, when at the White House. so there's several people that had it. Right. So, yes, he probably had it. During the debate. Yes. And one of the things that they say is that it does affect you mentally. Mm -hmm. And um, so his reaction, it's sort of like a fighter who right. gets dazed. Right. Right. What do you do? 
you you kind of revert to your basic madman and you throwing, just you just start throwing, throwing haymakers, haymakers. and yeah. that's and that's what he did well, I, I i think um and there were a couple moments i'm interrupting go ahead. but there's a couple moments like when he started going on about how he was the biden was the worst student in his class ever and the lowest you know and that schools were stupid that he went to well that was, was a counterpunch i might have i don't care again there you go right. i don't care I, I never no you just don't expect the president your, your president to start talking that way no well that was that was a counterpunch right. and and a, a lot of it was that way so I'll just run through my observations. This is just kind of what I said. So um, on the Supreme Court, I thought it was reasonable to pose the question. I thought Trump's answer was weak, but then Biden's answer was just as weak. Worse than just as weak. It was a non-answer. Yeah. Yeah. Private health care. Trump ties Biden to the Democratic Party. Biden pivots to 200,000 died. Seven million people have COVID over and over and over and over again. Right. And- He's playing his base. That's what the but base But it's a care, wonderful talking. I, yeah. and it, it well, it's a, even, and it's it a better a, talking point today than it was Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it absolutely is. It is. Um, Roe versus Wade, that came up. I said, uh, Trump won't let Biden get his footing. And then I said at that point, Biden will lose his temper. This is very early in the debate. Right. And I thought, I thought he's going to, he's going to lose his temper, which I don't think he did. No, he did not. Really? No. He didn't. Well, there are a lot that of That was low- the strongest part of his debate. Was not losing his temper. Was his demeanor. Yeah. You know. And, and he, that was a low blow by, by Trump. I mean, he, to your point, talking about what the schools he went to and he's bottom of his class and then starting to, to bring out his, his sons, even though it's just out of nowhere. It just, that, that was, that was no, low no, by Trump. Again, the sons, the sons were a counterpunch. Biden brought up Trump's kids. Right. That was, Biden brought Trump's kids into it and Trump's like, Oh, you want to talk about kids? I'll tell you about kids. How about your loser son, right? <laughs> How about that guy? How about that guy that's the drug addict and the guy kicked out? And everybody's thinking yeah. it's the it's Bo. Well, he started talking about Bo and 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 that's and, and how great Bo was. And that's when Trump said, "No, I don't talk about Bo. I'm talking about I'm, I'm Hunter, talking your about loser, Hunter, yeah. your loser son." Yeah, right. And then and then Biden switched to, "Well, he's been he, you know, yes, he was a, hair, a cocaine addict, but he's in treatment now, or been in treatment, and we're proud of him." Right. So and then start, Trump hits him with yeah. the, "Oh, how about three million dollars from Russia? Yeah. How about that? Yeah, how about from the Russian mayor? How about that?" <laughs> right. This is what yes, I think it, is so crazy about the Burisma thing. You know, Hunter and and Biden and probably did not break any laws through that but in oh. my mind 100 <laughs> oh. how do you get that job in the first place <laughs> uh, on the yeah. board of a company you don't speak the language oh. you have no background in that industry and you're you're on the board making oh, 100 I, grand a month if, the, if you don't break laws like, for that there should be laws like okay, I mean, maybe we that's need not to, we illegal need, but we need one to reason he new got laws that. There's one reason he got that job, and it's because is what his dad does for a living. Right. No, that's absolutely true. Well, that's and, like- it, but but the thing is, is that your kids. So Jimmy Carter's uh, brother, Billy, 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 right? Billy should not be precluded from doing whatever Billy needs well, to do to make a, a living. And right? George W. Bush was given twenty million dollars in the in presidency of the Texas Rangers because his dad was vice president, and that stuff happens. Mm-hmm. But yeah. When your dad is vice president of the United States, you should not go on the board of an international corporation where you don't know anything and you're getting paid a ridiculous amount of money. Right. That's a high that's high compensation I think, for any corporate board. And, and you know, but alone and, a, a Russian or and, Ukrainian and board. And Biden as a father is obviously blind to it because 
because he's his choice is well, he's going to be a cocaine addict or he's actually going to go to work. Oh, you're going you're going to work well, for the I'm, foreign I'm, company. We've got to go to a break. We ran way over. We're having too much fun. This is Ali Pacero and our buddy James. Welcome back to Ali and Pacero. We're joined by James Ball running for House District 36. 36. Yes. Got it. I got it right. <laughs> <laughs> Southwest Portland. Southwest Portland. But not yeah. Lake Oswego. Not Lake Oswego. So we're talking about the debate, and we had just gotten to the point where um, Biden wouldn't commit to court packing. And I thought that was one of the, the – in the middle of the food fight, in the middle of all the screaming, there actually were some interesting things that were said, and we're going to try to tease some of those out. Yeah. And that was one of them, I where know. he wouldn't commit to court packing. And so the way court packing that's when works- you, That's when you go get- That's when you, after, after you listen to the president and you've thrown your ballot in the garbage can because you don't want a madman <laughs> as president, then Biden gets up and starts talking about court packing. You start going through the garbage can looking for your ballot again. Yeah, well, that's probably I, true. I think that's going to hurt him. I, I had a- So I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'll say it anyway. I had a <laughs> uh, uh, interview with Willamette Week for endorsement, and uh, one of the questions they asked was basically who you're voting for for president. And- I have said I have never voted for Trump. I've had three opportunities coming up on a fourth. And I like even in the primary, I wrote in my own name. I, I still couldn't bring myself to vote for Trump. And that has been my plan all along. Biden was was on the cusp of getting my vote until he said he, he wouldn't commit to not packing the court. And now I don't know what I'm going to do. But I think that's going to hurt him because I am one of those weird undecided voters. And so... He might have lost my vote. So over let it. me. Interesting. So the the court packing goes like this: is that the Congress can set the number of justices on the Supreme Court? Um, mm. It it has varied over time, not mm. very much. It's been nine since. Yeah, 18, I guess it was. Thir- I, I guess 18, it was thirteen 18, at one time. Eighteen seventy something yeah. or something like that. Um, but Congress can do it. Uh, Roosevelt, when he was doing his. Uh, you know, New Deal. Well, New the, Deal the, 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 tried to pack it because because the Supreme Court uh, kept finding some of his government right. programs in violation of the Constitution. Right. So he thought about trying to pack it, ran it through the Congress. 13, Even the democratically to controlled Congress right. said no, and the country got mad at Roosevelt, and he and the and the Democrats lost thirty eight seats in the nineteen thirty eight election, and he would have probably left office pretty unpopular had it not been for Adolf Hitler. So, so. If the Democrats took over, they could increase the number of justices, come up with some metric. I think Roosevelt's metric was if you're over 70 years old, Mm -hmm. you can add one or two justices for every justice over 70. So that was his way of, of doing it. But the thing is, is that once you sort of let the cat out of the bag, Mm -hmm. then the Republicans come back into power. You have 15 people on the court. The Republicans say, oh, we're going to go back to nine, and it's it's by seniority. So we're going to take the nine senior justices and leave them, and the others are gone. And then the court just becomes a reflection of whatever, whoever controls the Senate and the presidency. It's, yeah, what a horrendous idea. And, 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 and really, uh, and really just like you said, I mean, it's it's opening Pandora's box. I think, and and I think Biden blew it. By, by, I mean, he would have shown some strength, uh, against the progressives. I mean, he, he, there's so much energy on the left against Donald Trump that he, 
the, he can move to the middle and not, and that energy is not going to dissipate. He's, these people are not going to not vote for him. I mean, you know, it will be very rare in this election, <laughs> you know, so he has room to move to the middle. He's just, he, he's just getting his uh, advisors are just telling, he's just doing what they're, they're, they're telling him. And, and that's what's so worrisome about his president, you know, a future, a potential I, Biden presidency. What I think we need to happen, we've gotten to the point in both national and state politics where the party in power, if you can do something, you do it. Yeah. And that I don't think is good for the country in the short term or the long term. Right. And the, the, I'm frustrated with the Senate Republicans for, you know, stopping the Merrick Garland uh, confirmation and then mm-hmm. going straight through to replace uh, Justice Ginsburg. I, I think that is a terrible precedent to set, but we did it because we can. And so what it's going to take to get us back off this path of just craziness at, is someone to get in power and say, I can do this, but I choose not to. Well, and the and Biden had that, that opportunity and he, he do you su- it. Do you support the, uh, do you want her on the court, Amy Conan Barrett? So I think the bigger the bigger problem was the uh, Merrick Garland. Right. Okay. So I, 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 that's I, I a problem that, too. I think but that do, was the bigger do, problem. But do you think the Republicans should go ahead now anyway, even, even though they've done that, even though they essentially stolen a seat? I don't know. Oh, I, I, I really, okay. I really don't. I've gone back and forth oh, on this okay. one. I'm, I'm. Well, this it, the the point was made last night that uh, this goes back to Bork. That Bork was right. the first appointee that was quote too conservative politically you didn't get on the court for political reasons and and not for moral or ethical reasons and historically they're approved 98 to 2 right and Mm -hmm. so you know they laid it at the feet of the democrats that was the first time they did it i'm i don't know i don't i sort of remember bork's confirmation i remember it well and and was it just purely political. Of course, it was. Yeah. yeah, he was. He was barked by by Joe Biden and Ted Kennedy and yeah, and by Joe uh, Biden. That's right. Le- Patrick Leahy and yeah. you know, uh, I think Howard Metzenbaum was on the committee. I mean, yeah, the liberals. You know, they controlled the Senate during during that year, and um, and so yeah, they. You know, the thing that everybody points to is Roe v. Wade, and I always bring this up because I I don't think people completely understand this. In Roe v. Wade, uh, it says. That some will, will it, I won't say it right, but some will say that this means that any a woman can have an abortion at any time for any reason. And it's in the opinion, it says, with that position, we do not agree. Right. So what they did was they left it up to the states to decide when and how this was going to be administered. Now, if you wanted to clarify that, if the Republicans wanted to clarify it, or the Democrats wanted to clarify it. When they had the chance, Obama had the chance, uh, Trump had the chance. I think it's happened eight times since this, uh, has, since the opinion came down. You could vote to either say yes or no, or these are the restrictions. It's after 26 weeks, or it's after this, or it's life and health of the mother. Or you could, the Republicans could have done it, or the Democrats couldn't have done it. And I think it's incredibly disingenuous of both Republicans and Democrats for constantly kicking this to the Supreme Court when they had the chance to to change it. So that's what Roe v. Wade says. Nobody ever mentions that. The, the, the left says, oh, it's an absolute 
uh, guarantee that a woman can have an abortion at any time in any place. Wasn't there another Supreme Court decision that came down later that kind of clarifies that? And I'm just remembering from something, I, a conversation I had months or years ago. I don't so know. Maybe there is. If, to... if there is, I'd love to hear about it because I never hear it's Roe v. Wade and, you know. Right. Well, Roe v. Wade was the first one and it's the, the biggest one. And it's kind of the, the lightning rod for the pro-life, pro-choice debate. But I thought there was another another. I'd have to look it up. We've got to go to a break. We'll come back. We're talking about the debate, Trump, COVID, all things here in Oregon. This is Allie and Pissero with her friend James Ball. This is Alan Allie and Jim Pissero doing our podcast with our friend James Ball. We're talking about the debate. We're moving now into COVID land, Jimmy. Well, I, you know, it was I was on vacation most of the week, so. I, when you're on vacation and big stories break, they kind of break in such a, you know, it's, they just happen to you at weird times, you know, and you're like, you're turning to your buddies on vacation. You go, you know, OMG. So you start thinking about sort of the bigger thing, like, you know, God's, you know, divine justice or providence. So the Democrats, the Democrats get a Supreme Court seat stolen from them. And, and which I like. That it's six three. I want the court to be six three. So the president rolls out on Saturday. You know the the person who's going to steal the seat, Amy Amy Coney Barrett, right? And she brings her seven children with her, and she's already had the virus, and so she's got seven children with her. <laughs> They've probably been in school. I mean, they're they're probably and apparently the White House has really decided to cowboy up. You know, versus, you know, if the election is the Cowboys versus the Weenies, you know, Trump really in the last couple of weeks has decided to cowboy up. And I, I guess that testing was, was according to, and I don't know if this is true, could be the fake news, but the, the testing was that you go to the White House and you weren't tested late re- recently. So these seven kids come into this event and it turns out to be this super spreader event, um, where three U.S. senators get it and, uh, Kellyanne Conway gets the virus. So it's almost like the revenge of the seat. You know, the steal the seat is the super spreader virus event. So, you know, and then that brings us to the president um, getting the virus. We're not sure when he actually knew. We know when the White House said that he got the virus, but we're not exactly sure. We have different reports in the media. It's pretty clear he had it at the debate. Right. And 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 he might and we think he was informed on Wednesday morning because that was the one of the things that they reasons they tested him was because he they thought that he he was complaining about being exhausted and they started to think that he had the virus and and we know that three congressmen did not fly home with him from Minnesota because he had the virus. So did they get kicked off the plane or they decided They decided not to be on the plane. It's according to According to CNN, could be fake news, but it but, could be but, fake news. But but so so then you know it could so, be they so wanted then, to go so home just, rather than go to DC. just sort of strange things that happen. So you're like sitting there thinking, all of a sudden after this re, you know ridiculous performance in the debate by the president, all of a sudden you're feeling sympathetic for him because you're worried about his health and you and you realize how much he dominates the national stage, and then you think about a world without him and it's just this. This this feeble-minded person with a walker <laughs> now the center of the world and you're like it's it, it, it was pretty jarring and then and then the president goes off to Walter Reed the next day and he may have had oxygen in the White House and you know he these reports come out and then he gets mad about the reports and he changes them but but 
he goes off to the White House. I mean, he goes off to Walter Reed, and Melania doesn't go. She's got the virus, so and she didn't go with him. But you she's know, like twenty years younger. I, I yeah. no, I don't mean it that way for health reasons. I mean, she doesn't go with him as a companion. I mean, he, it was kind of a lonely moment in his life. No, but you're you've got this virus. You're not supposed to be around a lot of people. She's got the virus. She's she's at home. Well, I, I I wouldn't have right. my wife so, go with me. And to then the okay, okay, and then well, but of course it's a presidential suite. It's not like a no, regular but I, hospital. I, I, no, okay, no, well then no, the last thing, but then no. then out comes this doctor on Saturday morning, and of course everybody around the Trump world is kind of like gonna kind of look like Hollywood, you know. And the doctor is like so happy about his fifteen minutes of fame, you know, and he's acting more like a Trump uh, political person than he is a. Uh, a doctor. And of course, he screws up about three things in the press conference, and they have to, like, four hours later, get him to change what he said. Like I'm going to have to do on this feed right. once we do our Facebook Live. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what, is, what are your reactions to my, I mean, it's just like, oh, I mean, you know, and then, so then you think, well, maybe the president will get some sympathy out of this. And then, but what happens if somebody like Chris Christie, God forbid, doesn't make it? You know, what happens if somebody in the super spreader event gets really sick? Well, one, you've swallowed the CNN super spreader line. You've said super spreader about 800 times that okay. the ACB. So, wait, you, how would super you, spreader so it's event. not a super spreader event. Nobody knows. Are you back to the transcript? We're no, reading the, I'm back it's, to here's the what, transcript. Here's what you see on video of the Trump world. And <laughs> no, now no, Alan no, is no, reading no, the transcript. No, I don't read transcripts because transcripts don't give you right. context. Okay. And that's where uh, the context to this is completely different than the transcript. But. Um, going back to the debate about COVID, because they did talk about COVID on the debate, and I think it's interesting that you do it because Trump basically, we believe, had it right. while they were talking about it. Right. And I thought Biden's opening was good. I think that whenever they repeat 200,000 dead Americans, that's a, a wonderful line that they have. Um, you, you know, you dig into the details and it's, we've talked about this ad nauseum on the show. It's death with COVID. That doesn't mean that you died because of COVID. It's, it's you died and you had COVID. Um, the number of deaths in excess of what has been expected is about 30,000, not 200,000. There's all kinds of data that you go through and pour through to figure this thing out. But um, I thought Biden's opening was good. I thought Trump's reply at the beginning was good as well. He closed things early. Fauci came out and said, you know, that he's done about as much as you could, saved thousands of lives. Um, Biden went back to deaths. I just, my note was he's not very convincing on that. Trump talked about uh, the, the different types of uh, vaccines. And Biden said, well, I don't trust any of this. And Trump says, you don't trust Pfizer or Johnson and Johnson. Uh, and then Trump turns back to Biden and goes, it's political. You know it's political. You are taking these positions for political reasons. And I thought that was actually quite effective. And the towel snap, as Jim likes to say, was when Trump said to Joe, don't tell me about smart Joe. You graduated at the bottom of your class, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I thought the, the, the COVID exchange was poignant given that, um, it turns out he actually had it 
when he was when he was saying that. So Alan and I just completely talked past each other. James, you want to talk in the middle? And, uh, and we, which which one of these which one of these scenarios do you can want I, to I just, react to? Can I just talk past both of you? Yes. <laughs> My frustration with this the entire COVID debate is that life and death is the be all end all and the only thing we should ever be considering in this whole mess. And as a veteran who's deployed three times and put my life in on the line to protect something greater than myself, there are things more important than life or death. And we can debate what those things are, but to the the democratic line has always been the deaths, the deaths, the, the deaths. And we have yet to see what the long-term consequences of this is. And, you know, yes, too, too many deaths. One is too many. This is a, a travesty. It's a pandemic. But there's so much more to be discussed than just how many people have died. We'll get back and talk more about that. I actually have a take on that when we come back. This is Allie Pissero with our friend James Ball. Today's podcast is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors. ProLift is your one-stop shop for residential and small commercial garage doors from openers, springs, and rollers to full reinstalls. They offer same-day service on all garage door repairs with no extra charge for evenings or weekends. Serving the greater Portland metro area, call today and set up your free estimate at 503-558-6349 or at proliftdoors.com portland. Again, that's 503-558-6349 or proliftdoors.com portland. This is Alan Alley with Jim Passero and James Ball. We're talking about COVID, and James made an interesting observation about deaths, and that deaths are the only way that we measure sort of progress or not in the in the COVID debate. And I think it was it was very well said. One of the things that I'm curious about is if you believe that that there is no life after this one, that we're on this earth and we die. And we get buried or cremated, and that's it. That's the end. There's nothing. Do you have a different point of view about death than if you die and you believe that there's something? And because I've been wondering, why is there this obsession? You know, we all are going to die, right? Every one of us, uh, nobody's immortal. Well, maybe Trump is immortal, but th- <laughs> to be he seen. believes he's immortal. <laughs> to be seen. <laughs> no, but, but we, but we, we're all going to die. Um, and I've sort of accepted this personally that if I get COVID, okay, I've tried to be in as good shape as I can be and work out and, you know, but I'm very fatalistic about it personally. It's like, okay, I could get hit by a car. I could get I, I could get COVID. I could get cancer. Those are things that I have to deal with. My my parents have very similar aspects. So my, my mom is uh, going through breast cancer through chemotherapy, has been for several years. And during COVID, she has had two grandkids born and my wedding. And she's basically had that same mentality of, yes, I'm she's she's going on 70 and, uh, you know, very high risk person with her uh, going through chemotherapy and her, her immune system and has basically decided if it's my time to go, it's my time to go. But these are life events. These are things I'm not going to miss the the birth of two grandchildren. I'm not going to miss my oldest son's wedding. Right. These are things, these things are more important to me than my life. And my, my stance on this is we should all be allowed to make that decision for ourselves. Every, we know the risks. We know that 
When you step outside your front door in the morning, you're taking a risk. When you get in your car, you're taking a risk. The risks are higher now during COVID that you catch this disease, but we know what they are. Maybe we didn't know what they were in March, but we know what they are now. And we as people should be allowed to make those decisions for ourselves. I agree with you. And I, I just had a conversation with a with a friend and he's my age or maybe a little bit older. And uh, we were talking about our grandkids and we've been fortunate that we've been able to see our grandchildren. And uh, he said, I have two grandsons that I've never held. And when he said it, it was like the saddest thing I had ever heard. And he he hasn't held them not because of the health of the grandchildren. It's because the parents want to protect him. And his attitude is, look, I'm 70 years old. You know, I've lived a good life. I've worked really hard. But if I die never holding my grandsons, that that is far, far worse to me than being able to hold my grandson and and get this disease. Well, let's go back to where you started the conversation because you said something pretty provocative um, that um, I want to explore a little bit. Um, you said, I think I heard you say that basically our lack of spirituality as, as a society has is, there's an inverse relationship between our lack of spirituality as a society um, and our paranoia about dying of COVID. It's a hypothesis. Right. But you said that. But that's what I you're did but say that's that. what you're saying. Yes, that is what I'm saying. <laughs> and, and and so that is what I'm saying. So yeah, and so so let's explore it a little bit. I mean, what do you what I mean it, I've had the same thought. And 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 that's why I'm interested in it. And 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 one of the things um you know what what sort of triggered that in your mind? Try you know, I'm the I'm the engineer. Right. Right. But I mean, anecdotally, you started to hear these things people no, say. No, 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 no. I'm the engineer right. and I'm constantly trying to figure out, I see a pattern of behaviors and I'm trying to figure out what's the underlying cause of mm -hmm. that pattern of behavior. It's not just random molecular motion, mm -hmm. that there's something. And then I start to draw a correlation. You develop a correlation between people that have no thought, atheists, Right. Whatever you want to say, but have no conception that there's anything after mm. this versus people that believe that there's something after this and that we're living our life in preparation for something and that maybe there's an accountability for what we've done during our lives. I don't know. Well, right? well but I so, feel very strongly that right. way. Right. Right. So I think I have a different point of view than if, oh my gosh, the, there's the, the curtain comes down and it's over, baby. Mm -hmm. That's it. Right. I, I had thought about this and I came to a different hypothesis, similar but but different. And my thought was, we are so safe in America that something that is even a little bit scary, a little bit unknown, just makes people freak out. You know, you go back even 50, 60, 100 years and infant mortality, you know, you you about half your kids died. That oh, some, yeah. Someone's no, going to fact no. check well, me on that. Well, not 50, 60 years ago. Well, okay, maybe yeah, 100. But, you know, half the kids yes. died before the age of five. You had smallpox and polio rolling around. Right. And you know what? We didn't shut down the economy over smallpox and polio. We closed had... the beaches in the early <laughs> 1950s over polio. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, so I'm kind of making this up, I guess. But, you know, we had these... It was a little we, before your time. It was before my time. I don't remember these things. But that's, right. that's kind of my point, is people in my generation have not grown up 
you know, polio and smallpox and, and infant mortality, these are things that happened before I was born. And so death is not really a part of our lives except for old age. When you've been in a retirement home, you've been in the hospital, you live till you're 90 years old, you spend the last 15 years of your life laying in bed, you know, with tubes attached to you. I'm hyperbolic a little bit, but a little like this is kind of the, where our society is, is that that well, is the that is what we've gotten used to. And so now this thing comes in that that shakes that up and people freak out to reinforce your point. When my mom was a girl uh, and this is about 100 years ago, then um, they had 13 kids in the family, 13, no adoptions, just 13 kids. So one thing that's remarkable is my grandmother was pregnant. And had a baby for 26 years, <laughs> simultaneously, for, like continuously for 26 years. The other thing is there were 15 live births, or maybe 16, or maybe 17, but they didn't even they didn't even know because they would die. The kids would be born, and they'd live for three months or six months, and then they'd die. And hearing them talk about it, it was like, was there a Frank? I think there was Frank. Where was Frank? Was he between Jim and, and James? No, no, no. He was he was older than that. What really? How do you? And it's like completely. Di- you're absolutely right. Totally, totally different. That we do feel safe. It and and we're cocooned. That's a better. Uh, that's a good term for it. Yeah. We're we're in this little protective cocoon now, and um, I think that does contribute to it as well. We've got to take a break. This is Allie and Pissero's podcast with James Ball. The Portland Spirit is headed to the river. Hop on board today for great views of the Portland skyline and historic Milwaukee waterfront. See our local landmarks and bridges from a unique vantage point on the river. Grab a cocktail on our outer deck while enjoying some of our delicious local cuisine. Fun for the whole family with options including lunch, brunch, dinner, and the famous Heart of Portland cruise. Tickets can be purchased at portlandspirit.com. Welcome back to Allie and Pacero with James Ball running for House District 36. 36. I got it right. Yep. Uh, we're, we got heavy here mm-hmm. and, uh, <laughs> we're, we're exploring the inner recesses of our, uh, of our morality, so to speak, and talking Mortality. about correlations between how freaked out people are about COVID and, um, Sort of your your ethical, moral, spiritual rudder. Well, and and what does that say? Well, what I was going to say from my perspective is, I think my time in the military has really, yeah, um, fa- like molded that view of the world. Because I, for eight years of my life, had to be very, I had to confront my own mortality, and you know, I might not come back from this. And I, you know, I was a communications officer, so I sat at a desk most of the time, but. We got, you still think about that stuff. We still sure. got rockets. I still went out on patrols occasionally. And you, from a mental standpoint, you have to confront that this might be the end. And I think that right. maybe to your point, the, if you are a, if you, a, a firm believer in religion that there's an afterlife, you have had that conversation with yourself of you, you've come to terms with your own mortality that this is all going to end at some point. There's something beyond that. There's something greater than, than me, myself. And, Maybe you're more okay with it. It's the only way that you're comfortable with those kinds of risks. I, I had a similar experience twice. Once was um, when I got my draft number uh, during Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And 
I knew that I could go to Vietnam and I might not come back. And I, and you sort of went through that process. You're 18 years old and it's like, okay, am I in? Am I out? You know, my mother, who's a strong Republican, is screaming at me, I'm going to send you to Canada. And it's like, no, mom, <laughs> I don't think so. You know, we, we, we get, have a lot of blessings as Americans. And, um, I felt very, very strongly that if called, I needed to serve. I needed to do that. The other time was I worked on a military program at Boeing. And this was a, a, this was a program that tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people could be killed because of what you were working on. You were working on a device that could kill a million people, maybe more. And rationalizing the work that I'm doing today could result in the death of millions of people was a soul-searching process. And we actually talked about it as we were working on it. And and the only thing that you come to is... God forbid the the world gets to a point where something like this gets unleashed, but I'm on the side of good. Mm-hmm. And and I believe that we will do this only um using our moral and ethical rudder that that we have as a as a nation. Yeah, I think that see the cocoon thing is a good analogy. We're a very cocoon society where a lot of people have never had to confront their own mortality and so now this COVID shows up and all of a sudden it's dangerous to go outside and they've never really thought about what it means to not be here anymore because they've never had to because we're so safe in America that they've never had to have that conversation with themselves and they're freaking out about it. That's my theory. Jimmy? Uh, um, <laughs> I walk in the park with... Um, you weren't ready for this discussion uh, no, this I, morning I, I, at well, 9 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday morning. I walk in the park with... <laughs> Maybe a re- that's appropriate. I walk in the park with a retired oncologist and, you know, at his peak, he, he had 35 cancer patients at, at a time. And his, you know, his job was to tell them, you know, yes, no, maybe, you know, you know, sorry. Right. And he said that the, um, the, um, most accepting of the, of the terminal, you know, news prognoses. Yes. We're, we're, we're Catholics and religious people. That yeah. They were the ones that were most accepting. And, and it's interesting in COVID is that my atheistic friends have been the ones that, you know, have just were boarding, you know, leaving their mail outside, not staying in hotel rooms, you know, boarding up, not letting anybody in. I mean, we're just like the extreme signals of COVID, you know, and it didn't matter. That the, and, and you're to your point. I mean, some people are, you know, if you're 70 years old. You're, you've already lived you know, 75, 80%, 90% of your life. Right. You know, so, so something happens. It's not like you're going to be cheated out of those years from, from 15 to 40. You had them. Well, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll flip around and, and talk about the other side of this too, that, cause I have a bunch of friends that are atheists, Mm -hmm. right? Maybe they're right. Right. Maybe there isn't anything. And religion and everything that I believe is just a a group grope way of mm. making us sort of feel better. Be, feel better. Yeah. Right. Right. That it's like okay, at the end, there isn't any accounting, and we were all wrong, and they were all right, and and it, it could be that. But what I've what I've talked to them about is, I said, look, guys, there's two options here. There's one is you get to the end of your life, 
and there's nothing. Mm -hmm. The other is you get to the end of your life and there's something right. and there's some accounting and there's some kind of, mm -hmm. you know, review and whatever that, whatever that is, you know, it, even if there's no hell and, and, and heaven, that there's just kind of a, Hey, here's, here's how you did pal. Right. Right. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, I'd rather live my life in that way, in a way mm -hmm. that I'm, that I'm proud of what I've done, that I can, right. I can make good decisions. And that when I get to the end, was I perfect? No. But at least I tried to to sort of keep it on the straight and narrow, and so that if there is an accounting, guess what? I'm I'm ready to be judged, so to speak. Yeah. Um. I think I think that um, you know, as a as a as a practicing Catholic until March of this year, um, <laughs> I, I think that the only thing that I really know for sure is that that. That in your conscience, it feels yeah. religious to me. You know, I know, and, and I hear God's voice, you know, and I know, and I, and I rely on it, especially when I'm depressed or down or leading or, or leading my life in, 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 in sort of sloppy personal habits. You know, it's when I, it's when I wait and hear that voice, which kind of tells me, get back up on your feet, you know, and, and get back to doing things in a way that, that, that makes healthier outcome for you mentally. And, and to me that, that that's God's voice. Well, and my atheist friends may say that that's just a trick, right? <laughs> You're just tricking yourself into believing that. Yeah. And, and as far as I'm concerned, it's like, okay, fine. You know, maybe I have a trick to use and you don't have that at your disposal. So I'm not freaked out when, when we talk about things like mortality and the possibility of contracting COVID and what that could mean and you are. So it's, uh, I didn't think we'd get into this. Time. Well, it's, <laughs> it, it, but it's interesting because it's, it's, COVID has forced us to reexamine a few yeah. things and see some people you see differently now than you, than you saw them two well, years ago. It's, it's bringing, bringing it back to kind of politics and you know, the, oh, we need to. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to take our, a break. We're going to go into our last segment and lead off with James. This is Ali and Pacero's podcast with James Ball. Welcome back to Ali and Pacero. This is our last segment with our friend James Ball running for House District 36. 36. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I was going to say just before we went to, to break was bringing it back to politics. Some of the comments I've seen online are using Trump's diagnosis of, of COVID, um, contracting COVID as a way to just kind of dunk on the Republicans of, oh, if you took it more seriously, you know, this wouldn't have happened, blah, blah, blah. And my perspective is, he and the senators and Kellyanne and everybody else knew the risks and they made a choice. And that is, it's like riding a motorcycle and getting in a car, in a motorcycle accident. Like, right. you know, the risks going into it. And when something bad happens, it's like, well, it's not a reason to go, oh, well, you should have known. It's, well, okay, you made a choice. And this is the result of that choice. I, and, you know, I wish him well and hope everyone involved recovers. But it's like, this, this is not, them not taking it seriously. It's they, they knew the risks and, and made a choice. Yeah. Anyway, Jimmy, well, you wanted to loop back. Yes. Um, let's go back to me using the term super spreader and, and, and you, <laughs> you know, you saying that I'm swallowing the, um, you know, the sort of the fake news liberal media. You're just media. parroting. What parroting, parroting. Parroting. Well, you know what's, what's interesting about this campaign is, and I, James, maybe you go through this too, is that do you, do you have cable television? No. 
Okay, so maybe you don't. I should. I knew, <laughs> I knew I had to ask that. But between MSNBC, which I hardly ever watch, and CNN and Fox News, which I go back and forth, it it depends on the story. You know, it's like the one I want to watch is usually the one that's more accurate at the time in my mind because I'm I'm the fairest person I know. So so it, it was interesting with Trump getting COVID because. At first, I could only watch Fox because they were so sympathetic and, and we were all worried. And then, and then as the story about the event at the White House and the, and the rollout and the people that got it, you know, it's not, it is to, you know, there is significance to this because he has done cowboy up on COVID and there are good reasons to do cowboy up, but there's also a political price to pay if cowboy it up doesn't work. And and so I thought you were a little too light about politically. He's 14 points down today in the Wall Street Journal poll. I watched an interesting debate with Lindsey Graham and Jamie Harrison of South Carolina on C-SPAN. And that race is tied right now, which is hard to believe because Lindsey Graham is an iconic legend. And Lindsey Graham, from his debate to performance, is very, very nervous. I think Mitch McConnell right now, that race is tightening. He's nervous. We are on the cusp of, of a blowout against the Republicans. Now, it might not happen. There could be a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, secret votes and Republicans and a comeback for the president and all of those things. But we are also on the cusp of a blowout where people like Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell lose their seats. And you wake up that next morning and you go, my God, what happened? Yeah, my point was uh, you, like a lot of people, are Uh-oh. subliminally influenced by CNN. Can't think for myself. MSNBC. No. And I find it happening to me, too. Mm-hmm. You know, where you. Are you, you subliminally you influenced the, by Fox and the Wall Street Journal? I don't watch them. You don't watch? No, but you turn on MSNBC or you turn on CNN and it's the DNC talking points. It's not even- Why is Lindsey Graham nervous tonight today? Just a second. Okay. It's not even shrouded in any way that it's a- that it's a balanced view. Yeah. And, and even the term super spreader event, right? This is the, this is the label that they put on everything. yeah, there's companies the people here, in the first two rows there's, company, got it. there's companies here where somebody has um covid right they go in and test people that have been exposed right. to those people yeah. you're going to get an unusually high number of positives because they were working together yeah. and they call it super spreader event and that that phrase okay. that scary phrase okay. right <clears throat> and you start repeating it what um doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that it won't it, it won't work politically. Um, it will work politically. Yeah, okay, that, it does work politically. Yeah. It worked on you, right? I mean, I think you're being a little. <laughs> it worked on think, you, Jimmy. I think you're being a little cavalier. No, uh, well, let me finish. I think you're being a little cavalier <clears throat> if you're sitting there um, showing, being, seeing a diagram of the Supreme <clears throat> Court event, and you know, a third of the people in the first two rows contracted. Um, COVID. So you label it super spreader events. So people grab onto that right. thing and start repeating it. But it's not okay. I don't. Okay, so I used the wrong name in your in your parlance. No, but what what, what, should, what, saying, what should I have said? All I'm saying is is that you bought you oh, bought God. it. They implanted. James, where, where are you they on implanted this? super spreader what? and you parrot it. Super spreader. Super spreader. Oh, well, where are you well, on this, you, James? I I I think I'm with Alan. This, okay. this, the 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 left has has. <laughs> 
dominated the narrative and they've changed the definition of words to i mean the other one that i've been thinking of is is white supremacist that's another word that keeps getting thrown around um and they've changed the definition without telling anyone oh james stand back and stand by if you're going to talk like that (laughs) anyway yeah um no this is i mean so i mean just the the way the media portrays that getting a little off topic but that trump has never disavowed white supremacy that's that's the line the Babylon Bee just put out a supercut of 20 times <laughs> Trump disavows white supremacy okay. Okay. over right. the last however many years. And you just said stand back and stand down, which is what he said right. in the middle of the debate. Right. When I saw that, yeah. I took that as a um, denunciation of white supremacy. Okay. The media did not spring, spin it that <laughs> I way. Don't, I didn't take when it that way. When you take though, okay. the transcript yeah. and you, and you read the transcript. It, 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 you know, and you spin it as right. that's a dog whistle. It was a dog whistle uh. to the white supremacists. Stand back and stand down because we're coming back, okay. baby. Got a question for you. Um, so super spread. So two studies, two studies are out that apparently show that the, the virus load is not nearly as powerful. In in the recent months, as it was in it's March, it's not and, as deadly, is, or yeah. as big as, in its load as as it was in March and April, and it's, that's and that's it's very burning out. It's yeah, that what two studies are sort of hinting at that, and that could very well be all these people, God God willing, all these people who got it are going to be fine, and and so how does that then? I mean, is that tr- you think that's true? And how does that affect the race? If because then the president could partially be, be right about cowboy up after the first week of November. After that's, the first, well, then I, that media I, reported is what you're then saying. Then it's like the All sun right. comes out and the puddles dry up, and, and everybody's I, fine. Now you, you can get COVID, and you're not going to die. It's more like a flu now. And now we have we have uh, antiviral things that yeah. you can take, and yeah. the virus, okay. the vaccines, yeah. right around the corner. Got well, I, this is something I've been watching for a little while because they've they've got all this data that comes out countrywide, and and you can look at different countries in the world. Europe is going through kind of a second resurgence of it right now. I think France, in particular, has. A has had more cases now than they had back in March, but their death rate is much, much, much lower. The, the number of people right. dying from COVID is a fraction of what it was in March, so, despite a, a two or three times the number of people. We're going to have to wrap it up, but the number of cases right. is not the indicator because it's directly proportional to the number of tests. And especially when you're doing contact tracing and you're testing but, people that have been exposed. In, so, it it isn't a metric at all okay. in okay. any way, shape, but or just, form. Uh, but deaths are, deaths yeah, are. and non scientifically, just just d- instinctively, don't you think? Doesn't just from the people that I know who got COVID in July and August, it was a very different thing that I saw in the way the disease affected them from what happened in, in early spring. I can't tell, okay. and and this is my point that we've been making for weeks and weeks and weeks. We had the opportunity to do testing. We had the opportunity and we to test in an engineeringly rigorous fashion. And we whiffed. We completely whiffed. Yeah. Every state whiffed and the yeah. federal government yeah. whiffed. And and it's the greatest tragedy yeah. of this whole thing. Yep. That's it this week for Ali and Pacero with James Ball running for House District 36. Thank Thanks, you guys. guys. Bye. Thanks for listening. This has been Allie and Passero with your hosts, Alan Alley and Jim Passero. 
The podcast is produced by James Ball. Be sure to follow us on Facebook. And if you'd like to contact the show, you can send an email to alan at alanalley.com.